I'm good. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, college night. Respectfully, those were some of the oldest college stu students that were ushers I've ever seen. So I don't know. <laughs> I want to know where you guys are going to college. <laughs> but, man, am I loud? Am I loud or am I good? I'm good. Okay. Good. I always, it's always weird once you get up here because you hear yourself in the, in, the, in the monitors. And so you always think you're way louder than you need to be. But awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you guys all being here. I really do. It's an honor just to see you guys that come and say, you know, I'm going to endure through Micah's preaching. I appreciate it. Um, I'm sad David couldn't be here as well. I texted him earlier. And I said, man, I'm sad you can't be here. And he said, that's okay. Here's my outline. And I said, and I said okay, I'll preach mine for 20 minutes. We'll close and now I'll start on David's. So we got two outlines to go through tonight. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Judges chapter number seven is where we'll be tonight. And uh, we'll... we'll We'll park ourselves in cha Judges chapter number 8, but Judges chapter number 7 is where we're going to start. Um, and uh, we're going we're gonna to look at a, a popular character in the Bible named Gideon, and most of us know Gideon, and most of us know about Gideon, what happened with him, and how God used him in a, in a mighty way uh, to save Israel. And uh, we're going to start in verse 16, and... and just kind of a, some context to how Gideon got to where he's at when we start reading is, um, you know, you remember as, as Gideon was in the wine press and he was, and he was preparing food, an angel came to Gideon and, and the angel told Gideon that God had a plan for him. And Gideon was scared and he said, no, not, not me. You can't, you, you got to have the wrong guy. I'm the lowest of my family. I, I'm, just, I'm just a nobody. You got the wrong guy. And the angel said, no, Gideon, you're the guy that God wants. And so Gideon eventually gave himself to God and said, God, whatever you want to do, I'll give my life to you and I'll serve you and, I'll, and, I, and, and I'll, I'll just trust that you have a greater plan than I do. And so God obviously used him. And so you go on and you know about the story of Gideon and the wool and he puts the wool out at night and he says, God, if I wake up and the ground's wet but the wool's dry, I'll serve you. So Gideon wakes up that next morning and he goes out, he finds the wool out on the ground and the ground is wet but the wool is dry. And Gideon says, okay. And he's starting to get a little smart. And he says, okay, God, I'm going to put out the wool again. If the wool is wet and the ground is dry, then I'll serve you. Gideon comes out the next day, finds that the wool is wet, but the ground is dry. And he says, okay, God, I'll trust you. And so he goes on and he gathers all the people of Israel. And the people of Israel come together. And Gideon, and Gideon has them all in the army of about 120,000 soldiers. And God comes to Gideon and says, Gideon, this isn't going to work. And Gideon said, I know, I was thinking the same thing. We're still outnumbered. And God said, no, 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 you need less people. And Gideon said, what? Less people? And so Gideon went to the army and he said, hey, if anybody's scared, go home. And he thought for sure, man, we're going to have some brave soldiers today. And uh, more than half his army left him. They had 10,000 people left. And Gideon was like, wow, you know, that kind of cut down a lot of people. And so he said, okay. And so Dave, um, God tells him, take, them, take all your soldiers to a brook. You still have too many people. Take all your soldiers to a brook and have them drink from the brook. And whoever leans down and drinks from the brook on their knees, they can go home. But whoever leans down and gets on one knee and just kind of picks up the water and puts it to their mouth, that's who you're going to fight with. So Gideon says, okay, okay, I, I got it this time. So they go to the brook. He does exactly that and ends up with just 300 soldiers. And so Gideon is standing with his 300 soldiers, and he's saying, um, I don't know how this is going to work, God. 
he went from about 120,000 soldiers to 300. And uh, that's a big difference if you really think about it. That's a huge army to a very little battalion. Uh, but that, so it was that God was how Gideon, that's how God wanted Gideon to, to fight this battle. And the reason was God told Gideon, he said, I want you to go fight this battle. And when you're done with it, I want you to know that I did this. And it wasn't you. And so Gideon knew and he realized, okay, God has a plan and I'm just going to follow it. And we would be good, my friend, to do the same thing Gideon says, just to say, hey, I'm just going to follow you, God. And although it may look like the odds are out of my favor, I'm just going to follow you. And so we pick up the story here in verse 16. Gideon has his 300. And in, verse, in Judges 7, in verse 16, it says, And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me, and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of the, all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the 300 men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And in the host fled to Bethshitta and Zareth, and to the border of Abel-Meholah, and unto Tabith. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali, and out of Asher, and out of all Manasseh, and pursued after the Midianites. I want us to jump really quickly to Judges chapter number 8 and verse number 4. And uh, what just happened here is Gideon took his men and he said, blow the trumpets when I blow my trumpets and break the pitchers that I gave you. And so they go through and they do that and it ends up the Midianites, um, and it, just for some context to the Midianites, they, when they looked at the Gideonite army, it said that they had so many camels as of the sand of the sea. And so if you think about it, you have 300 men going up against an army that has so many camels. That's just their camels. That's not their troops. That's not their soldiers that they have. So this is an insanely large army. And Gideon gets his 300 men, and they blow their trumpets, and they break their pitchers, and the, the Midianites go running. They are scrambling. They are scared to death. They're scared out of their minds. And so they start running, and, and Gideon tells his men, let's go, let's go after them. Let's finish what we started. So in Judges chapter 8, in verse number 4, I want you to notice, And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over, he and the 300 men that were with him. And I want you to grab your pen and underline this phrase. And it says, faint, yet pursuing them. Faint, yet pursuing them. Let's pray, and we'll jump right into the message. Lord, I thank you for today, God. I thank you for just uh, allowing us to be here at church and it's a privilege, it's an honor, God. It's not something that I want to take, for light, uh, take lightly, God. God, I pray that you would be with us as we study your word. Help us to learn something. Help us to be encouraged, God. I pray that you would be with us. Uh, help us to meet you in a special way. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen. So as I was reading this one evening, I came to that verse, and I read that verse, and it said, faint, yet pursuing them. And I found that very interesting. I found it very uh, relatable, 
as to where we are as a church nowadays. Um, many times we'll go and we'll serve in our ministries every week and we'll kind of do the same thing over and over and over and we'll come, to, we'll come to church and we'll go to our Sunday school class and we'll sit in it or we'll teach it and, uh, you know, we just kind of do the same thing. We'll come to church and we'll drive the church van or we'll come to church and, and we'll sit in the pew and listen to the preaching and we'll come to church and we'll sing the songs and it just, it, 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 to, to be quite frank, it, it gets tiring. And uh, I, I don't think there's a person in here that wouldn't say that, you know, there's been a time where you just woke up and didn't feel like coming to church this morning. I don't think there's a single person in here who hasn't felt that way. And uh, I, I believe we're at a time in America where it, everyone's tired. <laughs> everyone's tired of the news. Everyone's tired of politics. Everyone's tired of everything that's going on. And most people are like, just leave me alone. And I don't blame you. I'm the same way a lot of times where I'm just, I just get tired and I say, you know what, I'm done. I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing. I am exhausted. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. But can I encourage you tonight that that's not how God wants us to live as Christians. Uh, we can't, and especially in 2022, we cannot go into our rooms and hide and lock the doors and shut the curtains and hide away and say, I can't deal with this. I'm done. And so for just a few minutes this evening, I, I want to talk to you guys and preach to you guys about being faint yet pursuing. And it, it happens and weariness creeps into everyone's lives and times, times of despair, times of um, just being exhausted. And usually they come sooner than we think. They kind of creep up on you. And you, you realize, oh, man, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And every time that you get tired in life, every time that weariness and that, 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 that exhaustion sets in, you have that temptation over your head to quit, to say, that's it, I'm throwing in the towel. And uh, I, I don't want anybody to ever get to that point where, they say, where they're, they're, they're questioning whether they should keep going on for Christ. And uh, it happens eventually. I, I, heard a, I, heard a, I heard somebody say one time, if if you're walking and you never meet the devil, you might be walking side by side with him. And so eventually, as if you're walking in your Christian life, I imagine you'll meet the devil eventually. And so you'll get to that point where you get tired because the devil wants you to get tired. He wants you to get exhausted. He wants you to get out of what God has you to do. And so tonight, I, I want to give you some reasons. I want to give you some reasons to keep on going. And I have five points, but we're going to fly through them, I promise, guys. We're not going to be here all night. But I have five points, and I think every single one of them can be applicable to where you are right now. And every single one of them can be applicable on, uh, that you can take and you can say, you know what, this is a reason for me to keep on going. This is a reason for me to keep coming to church. This is a reason for me to keep reading my Bible. This is a reason for me to keep riding and driving the church van. This is a reason for me to keep driving, um, keep coming to my Sunday school class. And so I want you to notice in, in, in Judges chapter number 8, in verse number 4, that it says that he and the 300 men that were with him. So Gideon is chasing, currently chasing down the army of the Midianites, and, and he, he, I'm sure they are exhausted. I'm sure they are just tired, and I don't know if you've ever been to that point where you're just exhausted, you're tired, your knees are literally knocking. And uh, I, I go on runs every now and then, and... Preston and Rebecca have dragged me into a 5K this next week, and I'm slightly kind of not looking forward to it. And uh, <laughs> I, I went on a run with them on Monday night. We, I went and ran a 5K, 
And when we were done, I went to go get in his car, and I thought I was going to faint. I was so tired, and my knees are just, my legs still hurt, and it's Sunday. From next, it, like, I ran Monday, and it's Sunday now, and my legs are still hurting today. And so the, you get tired after doing a little bit of work, and the, Midian, the, the Israelites got to this point, I imagine, where some of them were really tired. They had just finished this battle with the Midianites, and they, they, they weren't completely done yet. There was still a little bit of work left to do, and they were chasing down the remnant. They were chasing down the rest of the people that they had to kill to, to defeat the Midianites. And Gideon's there with his 300 men, and I can imagine Gideon is kind of watching what's going on, and he's seeing that his 300 men are kind of stra straggling, some are straggling and some are falling behind, and Gideon is kind of watching them thinking, man, what am I going to do? I got 300 men who are just exhausted, flat out tired, and I'm, I'm chasing this army with these 300 men, and they're all tired, and I honestly don't feel like I can keep going on either. And I can imagine as, as Gideon's sitting there, and he's trying to think of some reasons why he ought to, how he ought to encourage some people, he remembers this. He remembers that back in Judges chapter number 6, if you'll turn back there, and you'll remember that this is where Gideon was given a purpose that the angel of God came to Gideon, and in verse number 14, it says, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. And it says, And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And so I want you to recognize that Gideon was driven by a purpose. So Gideon has these 300 men, and he's running with them, and he's chasing down this army, and Gideon's thinking to himself, I need to encourage these people somehow. I need to give them a reason why they should keep going. And Gideon remembers in his mind that there was a time where he was in a wine press hiding some food from the army that they're trying to defeat, and he's suffering, and he's struggling to survive, and he remembers the angel that come to him, and, and the angel of the Lord said, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you to save Israel. And Gideon remembers in his mind that and he turns to his 300 men and he encourages him and he says this, guys, we have a purpose. We have a reason to keep going on. And Gideon encourages his men. He says, I want you to look right over that sand dune. You can see the coattails of those Midianites and we're going to just keep going on. Why? Because we have a purpose. And tonight I would like to encourage you with this, that we also as New Testament Christians also have a purpose. And I would like to return uh, your attention to what it says back in the New Testament Gospel of Mark where he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature. And as New Testament Christians, we also have a purpose that Jesus Christ gave to us. And he said, Go ye unto all the world. Gideon had a purpose that was given to him by God, and it was go unto the Midianites and defeat them. And we also have a purpose, and it's to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I don't know about you, but some, when, I, when I have something to look forward to, when I have something that I'm working for, I usually work a little bit better. I'm not just shooting in the dark, but I have a goal that I'm going for. And it, helps me, and it helps me to stay on track. Whenever I get tired or exhausted or weary, I can remember that I have, I have something I'm driving for. I have something that I'm looking forward to. I have something that's been given to me that I need to keep working for. In, in, in college, it's, it's good grades. You know, I want to make sure that I get good grades so that keeps me going. Whenever I feel, uh, you know, when midterms hit and you have to stay up all night and study for your midterms, um, those people who don't want to get good grades, they don't stay up. They, they just go to bed. 
But if you want to get good grades in school, and you have that goal of good grades, you're going you're gonna to put a little bit more effort into it. You're going to say, I have a goal, and I want to keep going for that. And can I remind you that every single one of us in this room have a goal to keep going on. We have a purpose, and, and, and we need to be determined in that purpose. Can I tell you that Gideon remembered that time that the angel came to him and said, Gideon, you have a purpose that was given to you by God to serve God, to go after the Midianites. And can I remind you this evening that if you've been saved, if you've been born again, if, you, if God has saved your soul, you've been quickened to serve God again. You've been given new life and you ought to be serving God. You ought to be saying, I have a purpose to serve God now. The Bible says in, in, in 1 Corinthians, behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So when I'm saved, God has given me a new life and I ought to be serving God with that new life. God has given me a life, and I want to live for him with the one that he's given me. And so each and every single one of us have a purpose. The, the hymn writer said it this way, I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the path of sin. Friends may oppose me, foes may beset me, still I will enter in. And my friend, we ought to have that kind of mindset when we say, I want to serve God. I have this purpose to just keep going on. Paul said it this way, and he says, For I am determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul also said, I follow after. He said, I'm just going to keep following Jesus Christ. I think if anybody had a reason to quit, it would have been Paul. You read about what happened to him in the New Testament. He was shipwrecked, and he had friends, friends betray him, and he was left for dead. He was, he was beaten. He was, he was stoned. And, and, and he had such a horrible, horrible life in terms of this world. And Paul said, I follow after. Paul said that I may know him and, 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 and the, um, that I may know him and the power of his resurrections and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul, Paul had a, a purpose. Paul had a, a purpose to know Christ on a better level, on a, on a deeper and a more intimate level. I heard it said this way, a man without a purpose is a ship without a rudder. And every single one of us have a purpose to keep going on. I'd like to remind you that Gideon wasn't just driven by a purpose, but Gideon was depending upon a promise. And if you go back and you look in, in Judges chapter 6, if you're still there, in verse, number, in verse 14, the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. But look what it says at the very end. It says, Have not I sent thee. And then look at verse 15. He says, And he said unto him, O my Lord, Wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. And as Gideon's chasing down these Midianites, he remembers about the promise that God had given him that, hey, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Gideon's chasing down these Midianites and he's exhausted and he remembers, yes, he does have a purpose, but he's also depending on a promise that every step he takes, Jesus Christ is going to be right next to him. And can I remind you again what the Great Commission says in um, Matthew chapter number 28, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So God has given us a promise. God has given us a purpose, but He's given us a promise that wherever we go, we can trust Him, that He'll be right with us. And we can hold His hand, and we can just walk with Him. And I don't, know, I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. 
Because there's times in life where you feel as if you're all alone. And can I, can I tell you, my friend, you've probably been there, but it's no fun to keep going by yourself. And I want you to remember that although you might feel as if you're all alone and although you might feel as if you don't have a reason to keep going on, God's still there with you and God's still by your side every step of the way. And, 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 and God is, is promised to be with you. If you remember about the book of Esther, you know the, the book of Esther is written and, and it's, it's inspired by the Holy Ghost. That means God wanted it in the Bible. But God is never mentioned once in that entire book. And Esther goes through her life and she, she faces death and she faces some hardships and some trials in her life and God is never mentioned in the entire book. But just because His name's not mentioned doesn't mean He's not there. God is in every single word of the book of Esther because it's been, holy, it's, been, it's been inspired by the Holy Ghost. That means God was in that book. And although not seen, not seen on the outside, but deep down behind the curtains, God is working and God is doing a work in, in the life of Esther. You can't see it on the surface, but God is still there. And can I encourage you, although you might feel alone at times, God is working behind the curtains. And God is still there. We have two promises that we can depend on. One of them was that God would always be with us. But I want you to remember in John chapter number 14, and Jesus is telling His disciples, and He says, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. If you look at the work of the Holy Spirit, what He does is He does, he does a multitude of works. But He also is supposed to comfort us. And can I tell you, my friend, that when you get tired, that we have two promises from Jesus Christ that we can always depend upon. I've never been disappointed by Christ. Never once. And every time He has come through, and the, the two promises that I love to, to, to claim as mine is that Jesus Christ will be with me wherever I go and that the Comforter will be with me wherever I go. And that's encouraging to me. That encourages me to say, you know what, I'm a little tired, but I'm going to keep going. I want you to notice that not only was he driven by a purpose and depending on a promise, but Gideon was defending his people. If you go back to Judges chapter number 8 and you read on, it says, I'm sorry, verse number 18, Then said he unto Ziba and Zalmunna, What manner of men were they whom ye slew? So at this point, Gideon had, had captured the Midianites and he's questioning them and he's, and he's talking to them and they say, and he says unto them, what manner of men were they whom ye slew at Tabor? And they answered, as thou art, so were they. Each one of them resembled the children of a king. And he said unto them, they were my brethren. Even the sons of my mother, as the Lord liveth, if ye had saved them alive, I would not slay you. So Gideon gets to this point where he captures the Midianites and he's questioning them and he's saying, hey, why did you, who, who, who did you kill? Who, who were you killing? And the Midianites respond to him and they say, we killed these people and, and we killed the people and they looked a lot like you. And Gideon said, those were my brothers. Those were my people. He said, those, some of them were related to my mother. And you don't mess with a man's mother. You, everybody knows that. And Gideon's obviously upset, and he, and, he, and he tells them, if you had not touched my brethren, I would, keep, I would save you. But he says, I have to kill you. 
And can I remind you, my friend, that Gideon was not just depending upon a promise. He was not determined by a purpose, but Gideon was defending his people. And can I remind you, each and every single one of you tonight, that you are a part of a family of God. Each and every single one of us. And that's called the church. The church ought to be helping, loving, and protecting one another. In 1 Peter 3, 8, and 9, it says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessings. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should not inherit a blessing. First, in 1 Peter, uh, Peter is exhorting the saints. Peter is exhorting the brethren. Peter is exhorting the saints. And he's telling each and every single one of them, I want you guys to love one another. He says, I want you guys to be all of the same mind. All have the same goal. All be working towards the same thing. And that's how the church ought to be. We ought to, we ought to have that mindset that I come to church on Sundays to help exhort, help encourage one another. He was defending his people. He got to that point where he said, I'm doing this not just for who I am, not just because God has sent me, not just because I have a purpose, not just because I have a promise, but because I have a people that I want to work with. Gideon had the people of Israel that he was defending. He was trying to save the honor of the Israelites. And, and, and so oftentimes, I think we come to church expecting that, hey, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to be blessed by everyone and everyone's going to do things for me. And it turns out not to be that way. Uh, I interned over the summer at, at Brother Dalkey's church on a Capital City Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio. And he said something to me that, that encouraged me, and I don't think I'll ever forget it. He said, I come to church not to be seen, but to see others. I come to church not to be seen, but to see others. In Hebrews, we're exhorted that we, we ought not to forsake the assembly uh, of ourselves together, but exhorting one another. And then it says, even so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, you know, as, as we see the day approaching, what day? The day that Jesus Christ is going to return. And let me tell you, my friend, there is a day. God is going to come back. He says at the end of his book in Revelation, surely I come quickly so I can depend upon the promise that Jesus Christ is going to come back. Wow, how do I know that? He told me. When is he going to come back? I have no clue. But can I tell you, we're closer to that day than Paul was. And Paul had this mind, and Paul had this mind, he said, I want to exhort my brethren even so much the more as you see the day approaching. And can I tell you, my friend, we are closer than Paul is, and we ought to do, be doing way more than what Paul was doing. Are we? Paul was doing way more than we were, and he had less the, the, half the things that we have. We have so much to us, uh, uh, given to us as Christians, and, and, and we need to be working so much the more. For the church of God. The, if you read through Ephesians, you'll find out what the church of God is. But, but God, doesn't take it, God doesn't take church lightly. If you've been saved, you've been added to the church. And you need to be living for the church. I, um, as I was in Italy, uh, uh, we lived in Italy for a few years, and when I was there, I was able to take Taekwondo. And uh, I had a few uh, tournaments I was able to be in. And they were always a bunch of fun. I always enjoyed doing them. And I, I would go and fight. And um, as you, in martial arts, or in any type of really martial arts, it's always just you and the other guy. It's just you and somebody else on a mat. 
and uh, you have this academy, you have this, um, this team you're training with, but when the, when the rubber meets the road, um, it's just you and the other guy on the mat. When, when you get in the ring, your coach, is, your coach isn't in the ring with you. Your friend's not in the ring with you. It's just you and the other guy. And so a lot of times I would go to these tournaments and I would compete. And I remember, I remember one of them I was in, and it was one of my first tournaments I was in in forever. I mean, I took a, I took a few years break from it. And coming back into it, I joined this tournament. And I'm, I'm there and I'm fighting. And I remember it was, it was a rough fight. I mean, I just wasn't having a good time. I'll be honest with you. It was rough. And uh, I was heaving and hoeing and I was breathing. I thought my legs felt like jello. I thought I was going to die. I was like, man, this is awful. Three, it's three rounds of two minutes fighting. I think it's two minutes. And uh, that feels like an eternity. That feels like the longest two minutes of your life. And so have you ever had like a minute? And Have you ever done a plank? And a minute is way longer when you're doing a plank than ever before. It feels like Somehow time has just been extended. I don't know how it works, but a minute is way longer when you're doing a plank. And it feels the same way when you're, when you're fighting somebody. That two minutes is a very long time. And you're constantly glancing over at the clock looking like when, when somebody's preaching. Like, when is this guy done, you know? <laughs> but you're constantly glancing over it. And man, it's tiring. And I remember this one fight that I was in, exhausted. Man, I was tired. And it gets down to the third round and we're neck and neck. I mean, it, it, it's coming down to the wire. Like, who's going to win? And it was, it, was, it was pretty exhausting. And I mean, I felt like I was exhausted. I'm sure he felt like he was exhausted. We were just worn out. And we're coming down to the final minutes. And um, there was a break. And there's about 20 seconds left on the clock. And I go over to my coach. And he's sitting on the sideline. And I remember him getting up. And I, I, I just looked at him. And I said, Coach, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. And he, he told me, no. He said, he said, I don't even think I could quit, actually. I, I, don't, I don't know. But he told me, he's like, you can't quit. He's like, look, look at the scoreboard. He's like, there's only 20 seconds left. You want to quit now? And I, and I just thought, I can't go out. I can't do this anymore. And, and, he, and I, I, was, I was barely up by one point. And he said, you go out there, and you just finish those 20 seconds. And so I go back out there, and they, and they start the fight up again. And and when, when, when you're fighting in Taekwondo, they tell you, my coach tells me, you got to keep moving. You don't ever want to sit still. You're a sitting duck when you sit still. And I remember they f started the fight, and I stood there like, like, like this. Man, I was done. And I, I remember hearing my coach on the sideline saying, Micah, move. Do something. And it was like one of those slow motion like movie things that happened at the end of the movie. And it was like the inspirational music was playing, and everything was slow motion. And, and you know, you could see the drop of sweat just filling down, but going down your face. And I remember just standing there. And my coach was over there saying, Micah, you got to move. You got to keep going. And I, I tried moving my best. And, but what, I, what encouraged me the most was as I was fighting there and off in the distance, I could hear my entire class that I trained with every day. And I heard them all. They all spoke Italian. And all in Italian, obviously not in English, they said, go Micah. They were saying, go Micah, you got this. You keep going. You keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I, for the last 20 seconds, I just bared with them and I just did what I was supposed to do. And I ended up winning that fight and, and, and the rest is history. But can I tell you, my friend, that when you come to church, it's not for you to come and for you to keep getting those blessings, but it's for you to come to church and you to say, hey, Brother Rice, just keep going. Just keep doing what you're supposed to do. And hey, Scott, just keep going. Just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you're supposed to 
to come to church and say, Preston, just keep taking another step. Hey, I want to see you next week. Hey, just keep coming to Sunday school. Just keep driving that bus route. Just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing for the glory of God. Why? It's for your people. It's for the church of God. And you're here not to be seen, but to see others. And that's what Gideon was doing. He's saying, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for other people. I want you to notice that, lastly, Gideon was declining a position. You go all the way down to verse 22. After Gideon ends up killing those people, then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son, and thy son's sons also. For thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. I'm sure it encouraged Gideon that at the end of the day, he knew he wasn't sitting on the throne. But it was rather God that was sitting on the throne. And Gideon could always revert back to that, that, hey, I'm not in charge of this. I'm not the determiner of what's going to happen. I'm just going to have trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And aren't you glad that I'm not sitting on the throne? Aren't you glad that Pastor Rice isn't sitting on the throne? But it's rather God that at the end of time is sitting on the throne. I remember that one time I was, I was, um, I was, I was given this opportunity to help some guy. And he, he loves gardening, but I, he just couldn't do it much anymore. He was getting older. And so he invited me to come over and help him garden. And uh, so I would go over to his house and help him garden. And uh, the first day I went there, I showed up and... He came out and he was like, hey, this is what I want you to do with my garden. I want you to just kind of clean it up a little bit. You know, I want you to lay some mulch and, and do this and that. And he was like, I'd love to help you. I just can't. He goes, I'm just too old. I can't, I can't be getting down. I was like, that's fine. That's fine. So I ended up, you know, the rest of the day I was out at his garden just helping him clean up. And uh, he stayed out there with me and he talked to me and, and he helped me walk me through some stuff. And that was the first day I went home. I came back the next day. And I, I pull up to his house, I get out, and he meets me in the driveway, and we go through what he wants me to do that day. And He says, man, I'd love to come out here and, and talk to you and help you as much as I can. He says, but I'm just too tired today. i got to go inside and sit down. I say, hey, don't worry about it. Go sit down. I, I, I'll tend to your garden for you. And he, and he told me this. I remember him telling me this before he went inside. He goes, okay, you have what you're supposed to do. I have a shed full of tools. You can go to whenever you want. He said, go, to the, go get those tools if you need them. And he says, if you have any questions, I'm inside my house. Just come get me. He goes, don't, don't, don't be afraid. Just come talk to me. He said, if you need some tools, go get some tools. And, and for about two weeks straight, I would go to this guy's house, and I would tend to his garden. And uh, it got to the point where I wanted to come to his house to tend to his garden, where I was saying, I, 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 I got to that point where I almost loved his garden like it was my own. And I wanted to pull every weed in that garden. And I wanted to make sure every flower in that garden looked as pretty as could be. And I wanted to make sure that all the mulch was even. And I wanted to make sure, man, that, that, that looked like the prettiest garden in the world. And at the end of the day, I had to remember that it's not my garden. It's not my garden. And can I remind you that ministry is this, is that you're coming and every day you come and, and, and you wake up in the morning and you go to God and you say, God, what do you want me to do today? And God tells you and God says, here's what I want you to do today. 
and God's sitting on his throne, and God is giving you orders of what you ought to do today, and then God tells you this before you go out to work. Child, I'm inside. If you ever need anything, come talk to me. And it's always encouraging to me that I can go to God at any time in my life. And I can say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. God, I don't know what I ought to, where I ought to be going. God, I don't know what I need to do the rest of my days of my life. But God is sitting on his throne and he's saying, child, just come to me. Just come to me. I'm sitting on the throne. You're not in charge. You, you, you don't have to figure out what you're going to do with your life. Just, just let me work in your life. Child, I'm sitting on the throne, not you. And it was encouraging to me at every time that I can go to God and say, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Gideon got to that point in his life. People come to him and say, Gideon, why don't you rule us? Gideon, why don't you lead us? And Gideon said, I can't do that. He said, I'm not supposed to lead you. I'm not supposed to rule you. But God is supposed to. He's sitting on his throne. Can I remind you, you can come to your pastor and you can say, Pastor, I need help with this and that. But at the end of the day, pastor's not supposed to rule you. Pastor's not supposed to lead you and tell you exactly every step of what you're supposed to do in that sense. But at the end of the day, it's, it's God that's sitting on his throne. What pastor's really supposed to do is say, follow me as I follow Christ. And if you ever go to pastor and you say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. The best advice he can give you, let's go to God about it. Because ultimately, I'm not supposed to tell you what to do. It's God through me that's supposed to tell me what to do. I want you to notice that not only was he depending, driven by a purpose and depending on a promise, Gideon was defending his people and he was declining a position, but I want you to notice something. In verse 32, it says, And Gideon the son of Joash died in a good old age and was buried in the sepulcher of Joash his father in Ophrah, of the Abiezrites. I want you to notice that Gideon was delighted at his passing. Gideon, at the end of his life, got to that point where God looked at him and said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It says that Gideon died in a good old age. My friend, that sounds like somebody who died in the hands of God. That sounds like somebody who served God till his dying day. The goal of every believer is to hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I find encouragement in ending well. I find encouragement in saying, I'm going to finish this race. The goal of every believer ought to be, I want to hear God say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to finish well. I hear my college president say this all the time. You're not a failure until you quit, and quitting's not an option. Can I tell you, if you've been saved, if you've been forgiven from your sins, you ought to live as if quitting is not an option. When I get to heaven, I want to be crawling on my knees because I'm so exhausted that I lived for God each and every single day of my life. Every minute, every hour was me consumed with Jesus Christ. That I want to get to the gates, of the, the, the pearly gates and hear God say, Micah, well done. You lived for me. And that ought to be the goal of every single one of us. 
And I find encouragement in that. When I go running sometimes, I always try and finish off my run, the very, the very end of my run in a full dead-on sprint. And it's not healthy to run a full sprint, full, full on the whole time you're running. You want to keep a good pace. But at that very end of my life, at the very end of that race, I say, I'm going to give it everything that I've got. We ought to live like that. We ought to live and say that, God, I want to finish well. I want to finish well, God. It's okay to get tired in the work of God. But it's not okay to get tired of the work of God. I want to encourage each and every single one of you today, live for God today as if you don't have tomorrow. It'll get tiring. It'll, get, it'll, it'll be weary. You'll get exhausted. You'll wake up on days and think, I don't want to, do, I don't want to live life today. But I encourage you, don't stay there. Get up and let's serve God another day. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for just allowing us to come to church today. God, I pray that we would be encouraged through the heartaches of life. God, I pray that you would just be with us. Give us grace. Give us strength for every day. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed as we stand to our feet and as the piano plays. An encouraging message, faint yet pursuing. Are you still pursuing? Are you faint? It's okay to be faint. It's not a sin to be weary. We need the strength of God in our lives. We need to continue pursuing. like Gideon he was depending upon a promise he was defending his people he was driven by a purpose he was declining a position and he was delighted at his passing I put down my notes pursue till death Christian life is something we ought to continue pursuing for our whole life faint yet pursuing. What a great tech.